The Phoenix Suns got the bounce back they've been looking for on Wednesday night in Houston. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, how the win came together and why this just might be the best we've seen from Durant in a Suns jersey. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show. Wherever you get your podcasts, a big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on a victory Wednesday night, maybe Thursday morning when you're catching the show. Appreciate each and every one of you joining me to celebrate the W. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. The Phoenix Suns won 129 to 113. We're diving into every angle of the win and Kevin Durant's virtuoso performance today. If you have not already, hit follow or subscribe. Get this show in your feed every single Monday through Friday. Become an everydayer. Get locked onto the Suns right along with me all season long we have two moments of the game today two the first one well they go they go hand in hand they are the beginning of the second quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter where in both cases because of the stagger that the Suns use Durant was the only of the star players on the court. The Suns were up the beginning of the second quarter, 30 to 24. When Booker checked in, they were up 49 to 33. So that is a 19 to 9 run to open the quarter, the first six minutes of the quarter. Durant had. Let us see, five, five points and four assists on those during that stretch. So he created nine points, 14 points by himself in the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Suns were up 104 to 84 to start the, the quarter. When Booker checked into the game, the Suns were up 113-98. to 98. They lost that, but they withstood the beginning of what would ultimately become a little bit of a hot streak for the Rockets from deep. Tari Eason, Cam Whitmore twice, Cam Whitmore three times, and on down the line. That stretch, even having the lead go from 20 to 15, losing that stretch, quote-unquote, in the first four minutes and 45 seconds with Booker on the bench, that is a moment where the Suns have collapsed time and again, right? And to go through the numbers I did in that second quarter for this stretch, Durant had five 
of the Suns, nine points, as well as, okay, no assists. But still, five of nine points. Got to the free throw line and made a three. Those two moments get you to a dominant double-digit win. The Suns were plus 17 tonight in Durant's 41 minutes, which means they were minus one in the minutes he did not play. Devin Booker, who was also solid, but not nearly as special on this particular night as Durant, the Suns only outscored the Rockets by 13 in his minutes, right? Which means that in the 12 minutes that Booker did not play, the Suns actually won those minutes, right? So that that stark reality, or stark difference, I should say, shows you how this game mapped out. The Suns, as crazy as it may be, this is how this team is going to win. They don't need 27, 16, and 10 from Kevin Durant in order to win games, but they need at least one of these guys to be special every night. And tonight, Durant was that. We'll get into some more specifics about how in the next segment, but during these stretches to open the second and the fourth, where he basically was just sort of able to cook, it went a long way toward the Suns winning this game, right? He was out there with Saban Lee, Chemezi Metu, a little bit of Nurkic, Nasir Little. It was sort of, you know, Brooklyn Nets-style lineups. Durant plus role players. And he made it work. Fourth quarter, he's out there with Lee, with... Again, Nasir Little. Again, Chemezi Metu. And maybe in that case, Grayson Allen? No, he, he, he entered the game later on. Gordon, I believe. Yeah, Gordon. So, the ball was in his hands. The Rockets were desperate by the fourth quarter for sure. And we've seen sometimes where that doesn't work. Because guys don't make shots, or the flow's not really there, or there's some bad decision-making, or leaky defense. The Suns just figured it out, and Durant was a huge reason why. And without those two stretches, especially the second quarter, when the Suns piled up 43 total points, this game is not in hand the way that it ended up being. With that said, there's much more to celebrate on a night like this when the Suns get out of a rut and show us what they're capable of once again. So, next up, my big takeaway from this game, which was not unlike what Eric Gordon said post-game to Amanda Flugrad on the broadcast. We'll get into what that all means next. First, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks, who have come in. And what they have done is that they've fixed daily fantasy sports for you, for me, for everybody. With this basketball season here, you can also now pick 
Combo projections across football and basketball from Prize Picks with their Specials League. That is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can combine LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at 10.5 of threes made plus receptions. You can go more or you can go less, and that is how you win or lose. There is no head-to-head, no league, no matchup, no pool with prize picks. It is simply you versus the prize picks player projections. You pick more, you pick less. If the players do what you need them to do, you win. PrizePix also offers quick withdrawals, easy game plan, and an enormous selection of players and stats, all making PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. To play these games and have a lot of fun and make some money, go to prizepix.com slash NBA. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash NBA. Promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's keep it rolling. The Suns finally have a win to hang their hat on. I understand that it is Houston. I understand that it is the second night of a back-to-back. I understand that Jabari Smith went out even. I think this is one to be proud of. I was actually listening to some podcast or watching some show, I don't know, where they tried to say that the Suns, or maybe it was just on Twitter, I have no idea, where the Suns don't have a, a signature win because... When they beat Minnesota, the one seed, by the way, at home, well, the Wolves were on the road on the second night of a back-to-back, so that one doesn't really count. Okay, BS. The Rockets were also on the second night of a back-to-back tonight. They had just lost to Indiana last night. I don't care. First of all, this was a home game for them. The Suns raised their road record to 7-6, and six, pulling above 500 in that category. Meanwhile, the Rockets, prior to tonight, had been 12-2 and two at home. Young team on the second night of a back-to-back, I don't care. This is a win to be proud of, both because it got them out of a rut, but secondly, because this is a quality team. This is a team whose record is better than Phoenix's right now, and a team who has a clear identity and on one side of the ball is typically dominant, right? Excuse me. Houston has a great defense. Dylan Brooks was out tonight. That obviously gave the Suns an advantage. If you're a Locked on Suns insider subscriber, which you can sign up for at the link in the, sh- in the show description below or at joinsubtext.com slash Suns for exclusive content, reactions to every Suns rumor, and a weekly video breakdown. There's the plug. But if you already are a subscriber there, you would have known that I felt pretty good about this game for Phoenix. I felt like it was a pretty good opportunity for them to come in and seize the moment because of Brooks's absence, because of the second night of a back-to-back, but also because I did not think Houston could keep up with them offensively. The point is, this is a team whose defense tends to be pretty strong. What the Suns went out and did is scored 73 points in the first half, 129 total, despite a bunch of turnovers, and showed the league what they're capable of, showed this fan base showed themselves what they are capable of. And to circle back to Gordon's comments, which I teased at the end of that last segment, he was asked about his performance, about the team's performance by Amanda Flugrad post-game, and he said, this is how we need to play every night. And that brings me to the other obvious takeaway that you would have to have from a game like this. They didn't just win by getting hot from deep or 
running up against a bad team, or getting lucky. The Suns won by doing exactly the things that they need to do to execute, starting with the opening roster uh, lineup announcement. All right. Um, I know Nurkic had foul trouble, but I've been plugging on this show and on Twitter and everywhere just how good this five-man unit is of Booker, Allen, Gordon, Durant, and Nurkic. That five-man unit is hugely in the positive for the Suns, and they finally started it tonight. Nurkic was a plus two in the minutes he did play, so I would imagine the 14 minutes, not all of them were this whole five-man unit, but let's say it's like eight. It performed well. It proved exactly what the numbers have been telling us, that it can work, right? And it worked because the ball movement was aggressive. You had Durant leading the way with incredibly quick decisions and simplifying the game for the team. All, I mean, I don't want to say all. Some of them probably must have been in transition. I believe there was that little dunk that Durant assisted on. But just about every single assist that this man had tonight was on just immediate snap second perfect decisions in simple situations pick and roll and high post isos that was how durant got his assist tonight enter the ball to him in the high post double comes make the right pass and a lot of the time he was so on top of it that those assists came immediately right that they were credited to him because he just got it to a pass ahead of the defensive rotation. Not swing, 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 but Durant said, I'm going to deliver this where it needs to go. That person is going to shoot the ball, and they did. Pick and roll. Picking up where Metu and others left off. A couple nice feeds to Nurkic. Multiple nice feeds to Azubuki. Couple to Metu on that short roll because, again, the defense blitzed slash hedged against Durant when he was handling the ball in those pick-and-roll situations. The big man comes up. Durant dumps it off. Buckets, right? Gordon, huge part of that. Being a guy, when the ball got to him, to immediately pull that trigger, similar to what Grayson Allen was doing on Christmas Day. All of those things, led by Durant, led by Gordon, that is why this starting lineup can be so dangerous. That is why wins like this are possible. And that is why Gordon said, this is what the style needs to be, the mentality needs to be, the approach needs to be, every single night. That's why this win was so impressive. Because the Suns did the things that they ought to be doing every night, and it worked. And honestly, it felt like they were having fun. I mean... The players, of course, it's fun to win. It's fun to score. But the bench during a lot of these stretches, especially the second quarter when they put up 43, the bench is going crazy. Guys like Jordan Goodwin, who didn't even play. Bradley Beal, who obviously is stressed and frustrated that he's not out there. They are hyped beyond hype because they felt the weight lifted off the shoulders, the execution finally coming together, and everything else. The other part of why this is so impressive and exciting is 
they still made mistakes, right? 19 turnovers. They allowed the Rockets to make 17 threes. And okay, not all of those are breakdowns, you know, like Jalen Green. If a, you know, average to above average player, which is what Green has really been this year, is going to bomb pull up threes on you, you'll live with that. Now, if he had kept doing it and made even more, you probably need to do something about it. But overall, he wasn't that efficient, and that's kind of the only shot he was really making tonight, so you live with it. But some of them were like that. Others were breakdowns. They allowed nine offensive rebounds for Houston. Now, some of those came late in the game from Jock Landale in garbage time. But you catch my drift here. The, the Nurkic foul trouble. This was not a perfect game. Remember, I said they did not get lucky here. This was not a confluence of events of everything lining up and you crown the team on accident. No, the Suns earned this despite mistakes, and it leaves you pretty excited for what can continue to come out of playing this style, putting the right players on the court, being decisive, being aggressive, being smart. Frank Vogel said pregame, before the Dallas game, postgame after the Dallas game, at various practices throughout the week, that the team was close. And that probably felt crazy. But I told you guys when I broke down the Dallas game on Christmas that there were reasons for optimism. This game was a, a continuation of that. And without making excuses, because some of these turnovers were still ugly, and there's still plenty of things to be figured out. They are still a team of entirely new players. And this is only month 10, but obviously you don't count the summer. This is, you know, month five, really, of Booker and Durant playing together. Some of these mistakes are natural. Even the games that they were winning early in the season when we all got so excited first off during the win streak and everything else featured a lot of turnovers, featured a lot of mistakes, featured some breakdowns. But when they play like this, they can overcome all of that because that's why this team was built this way, and that's why this team had our attention coming into the year. Not everything is fixed. One game does not get you fully on track. There will be ugly moments. There will be questions to be sorted out. But a lot of things were trending toward this game happening. They put it together, and they earned a win they can be proud of. Let's zoom in on the starting lineup, the rotation, some of the other numbers that have defined this stretch of Suns basketball that trended the other direction tonight. Next, first, today's show brought to you by FanDuel, the best place to head all winter long because as the weather stays, gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. I'm looking at the NBA odds for Thursday night where you can put a little bit of money on a big money line, get those bonus bets courtesy of FanDuel, and then look to bigger and better things. The Boston Celtics host the Detroit Pistons, and they are minus 2,000 favorites. I don't think I need to go much further than that. The app is easy to use, and once you get that bonus bet into your account, you can take advantage of the spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. A wide range of betting options over at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to celebrate the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Closing out the show, a couple of things to hit. Talked about the turnovers. Let's do the box score oddity to start with here. That is going to be the threes. Okay. The Suns made 14. Gordon and Durant made 10 of those. And all 14 were from the starting lineup, which is sort of crazy. But the bigger thing, as we've talked about many times, is that the Suns got up 33 threes. That is a good number. I think it can even go higher. Allen, for instance, only took four. Nobody on the bench really got it going from deep. Not Chemezi Metu, not Nasir Little. And Bradley Beal is not, of course, playing still. And you would imagine he helps there. So I think 33 is sort of a, ba- a baseline. It should be the floor almost. But that is a good number nevertheless. A lot of the time, when you make a lot of threes, your assists will go up. And the Suns had 28 of those compared to just 24 the Rockets. That is all exactly what you would like to see. Last but not least, the Suns had 12 points off turnovers, but 10 fast break points, 50 points in the paint. However you want to slice it, this was an incredible offensive game. Their half-court offensive rating was 122 points per 100 possessions that would lead the league by a mile that is not that's that would lead the league as a total offense including transition opportunities and that's what the Suns did against a top 10 defense on Wednesday night there is no other way to put what they did tonight other than elite bench mob vibe check to close us out the Suns mixed everything up tonight And then they had Yusuf Nurkic foul trouble. But we are starting to learn what this rotation version 7.0 is going to look like for the foreseeable future. Foreseeable future could be two games. I don't think Bradley Beal will be back Friday. I know that I said that probably at various points on this podcast, but that was partially because of his weird comments uh, to Mark Spears over at the Undefeated about returning soon trying to return on Christmas. Uh, I don't think that was ever in the cards. Frank Vogel this week called him hobbled and referenced a timeline of the month of January, whatever that means. Obviously, the Suns play Friday. They play New Year's Eve, so would be neither of those games. And then I I believe that they have a back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week against Portland and the Clippers. Maybe they try to bring him back for that. 
I would think ideally you only play them in one of those games, but what do I know? That is a tangent. I just wanted to clarify because I keep saying something that is outdated now. I don't expect to see him on Friday, but it's the friggin' Hornets. You should still win. And I think the, the rotation is also being built to absorb him a little bit better than it was. And stylistically, this team's approach the past definitely two games feels like one that he can step into more cohesively right away. So let me get more specific rather than being so vague. The most interesting thing from the rotation to me is not Udoka Azabuki playing over Drew Eubanks or even playing so much over Metu tonight because Shengun played and Shengun is somebody you have to handle. What surprised me more than that over the past two games and, and tonight is how little Akogi and Goodwin played, right? Kogi barely played the other night. I know it was his first game back. Maybe they're trying to bring him along slowly. I think it's more because of the offensive struggles. But they wanted an answer for, for Luka and the Mavs offense, so Goodwin ended up playing. But both of them were 10 or fewer minutes. Same thing tonight. 10 for Okogi, 0 for Jordan Goodwin, and then we got 12 from Saban Lee. The reason that's all interesting to me is because it sort of backs up what I thought we were headed toward early in the season, even during the win streak, as we looked toward Beal's first return to the court, when it felt like the Suns were assuming an offense-first identity. An offense-first identity does not have a whole lot of room for a Kogi or Goodwin. It just doesn't. Is Grayson Allen a perfect answer as a point-of-attack defender? No, he's not. The amount even that Booker had to work tonight when Green started to get hot. Not, not ideal, necessarily, but if those guys can work hard and the defensive structure can hold up and effort is there, we are seeing that that unit can survive because the offense is going to be so hard to handle. The ripple effect of that down to Kogi or Goodwin or Saban Lee is you don't want to disrupt what you're doing. And so there's only so much space for guys who can't score. What's interesting to me about the Saban Lee minutes lately is he's smaller, sure, but he, I don't know if, I guess, it, I guess I'll just say it. I think he might be the best offensive player of the three even though he also is not really a shooting threat. He doesn't even want to take them because his release is so slow and he's not going to make a lot. But he can do more with the ball in his hands, driving to the basket and dishing than those guys. He gets to the free throw line because he's so physical. Guys have to, opponents have to foul him. And he's a better passer, right? So I kind of get it. Now he's only on a two-way. The Suns played it. It's a little rocky and, and weird when two of your more impactful rotation players in a game that you win are two-way guys, but hell, I will take it. And I think everybody in that locker room will take it today too. I don't know if it continues with Saban specifically, but the especially with Beal coming back, but the point bigger than that is the dwindling of a Kogi and Goodwin's minutes. There will be matchups where they simply need it, 
I would imagine those guys will continue to get some spot minutes because you need to have them be ready. You need to have everybody be used to playing with them in case they need to play in the playoffs. But this team is realizing that it is an offense-first team and that Booker playing hard on defense, Durant playing hard on defense, eventually Beal playing hard on defense, and the scheme helping them out has to be how the defense comes together. It is, it is not going to be viable to give Josh Okogie 30 minutes because teams like Dallas just did are going to make him shoot, make him make decisions, and he is not the type of player this far into his career that is going to be the answer there. That's where we are right now. The other takeaway from that rotation observation is that it highlights the need as we approach trade season for a player who provides the defense, especially on perimeter playmakers that Akogi and Goodwin and Lee do, but who is more playable on offense. That is why the Suns have likely been interested in TJ McConnell in the past, even though he's also a small player. But let's think bigger than that. Jay Sean Tate, who we just saw start this game for Houston, can guard guards, can guard wings, makes threes, comfortable with the ball in his hands. I think he's better than all three of those guys. DeLon Wright is somebody that I've talked about on Twitter. I think I may have brought him up on the podcast. He would probably be in a Sear Little trade, but he is a solid point of attack defender who can make good decisions with the ball in his hands, a veteran, and makes open threes. Just planting the seed. We're not doing a trade show, but that's where my head was at, watching how the rotation broke down, not only tonight, but against Tuesday, against the Mavs on Tuesday as well. We'll see how that shapes up. We'll see what Beal does and how that continues to transform this team. But that will wrap us up for the day. Thank you for listening. Hit follow, hit subscribe, wherever you found the show. Be back Thursday. Sorry, be back Friday with Aaron Edwards to close out the week. Be on the lookout for an announcement about the future of this show on Twitter and on here on the feed before long. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody, and I will catch you next time.